0: Hi, this is Renee Baker, author of Defeating Scrooge, and you're listening to My Quest for the Best with Bill Ringle. Listen up,
1: small business founders, senior managers, and rising stars. Bill Ringel here, host of My Quest for the Best, the podcast for ambitious small business leaders. On each episode, I bring you the inside stories from published and accomplished experts who want to share their knowledge and experiences in order to help you be more successful in leading your people, managing your business, and navigating toward more growth and more impact in a changing and challenging landscape. Let's dive in. Joining me today is Renee Baker. Renee is a specialist in Christmas and holiday spirit. Since 1997, She's been a founder and director of iSmile in New York Productions, a company of Broadway holiday carolers who perform at some of New York City's most iconic establishments. Renee and her carolers have been featured on Ginger New York Show, Fox's Street Talk with Antoine Lewis, and in many radio and TV podcast interviews, including NPR, CBS, and Fox, and in local newspapers. She conducts Defeating Scrooge Spirit Saver workshops and is a public speaker on holiday topics ranging from the holiday greeting controversy to the power of music to build bridges of harmony between people. Renee lives outside New York City and is here to talk about her book, Defeating Scrooge, How to Harness the Power of Christmas Carols to Revive Your Spirit Any Time of the Year. Welcome.
0: Hi, Bill. Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure.
1: It's such a treat to have you here. Renee, tell me, when you were growing up, who's someone who influenced or inspired you?
0: The first person that pops into my mind is this wonderful woman named Charm, Charmaine. And she was one of the spiritual ed leaders in my church when I was a small child, right up through my graduation. And she always had so much enthusiasm and her stories just really resonated. They were personal stories from her life about how she just appreciated people and made them feel better, even just through her smiles and enthusiasm. And I found myself so influenced by her that we stayed friends and she's still a spiritual mentor to me.
1: Can you remember with that type of influence and that great modeling, can you remember a time earlier in your career where you had a choice? To make. Maybe it was to respond to someone who wasn't sharing a smile or who was being particularly unpleasant, or it was just what you wanted to do and maybe make a choice as to whether to take a career path one way or the other when Charmaine's influence touched you and you could identify a point where she was able, that influence was present with you, even though she may not have.
0: Oh, yes. A couple of things just popped into my mind. You know, one is really major, and that was do I start this company? Do I take this leap of faith and start a company, which is now in our 20s. 25th year. And I just felt her saying yes. That was even before we were back in in touch. But I just felt her influencing me to share the enthusiasm and to actually step out and reach out to people, bring people together. And, And another time, and This was more recently. It was after my book came out and I got all these amazing reviews on Amazon. And then there was this one person who some people would say it, it was a troll who just wrote about me as a hateful person, which I know he, he wouldn't know me or couldn't have read my book to have written that, but it still stung. And so I reached out to her and I said, how would you handle this? Because part of me wants to write back and say something that maybe he'll learn from or whatever she, and she gave me her advice on that. And I just know when I'm confused. Oh,
1: Renee, wait a second. What? We all want to hear that advice Those of us who have books on Amazon, who have public places where people put comments, we would love to hear that perspective that was helpful because that happens to all of us.
0: It does. And and the reasons why I'm sure are very worth a a whole book in itself, because what I was thinking of doing was pointing out to this guy, if you read the book, you'll see that this, I, I don't claim to be perfect. And that Chris, we all have an element of Scrooge in us. It's how we react to that or opening our heart up. But that's what I wanted to do. And she said, she thought about it for three days before she got back to me. And she said, I thought about it. I started to write something that maybe you could write back to him. But then she said, I realized that you just shouldn't respond at all. People are going to see better. They're going to see that you've got all these other positive reviews. If they actually read the book, they will see that it's not you at all. And the book should, anybody who knows you knows that's not what the book is about, but just don't respond at all. Just let his response bounce around in his head because people who are motivated to do that, they want the response. It's oxygen to them.
1: That's very astute. I also feel that way as well. I don't want to give them any attention or energy. And when I was having this conversation with somebody, a remark that Benny shared with me that was really useful. He says, look, it just makes your reviews more authentic. (laughs) people know that it's not rigged when they see one of those there
0: that is a wonderful point it really is and think about these people i know that they're just so much more unhappy in their lives than their one review has made me so i feel sorry for them
1: i want to pivot now and talk about a christmas carol and many people think that they've read A Christmas Carol, but really what people have done is they've seen the movie so many times, it seems like we've read A Christmas Carol.
0: Exactly!
1: But let's just make a distinction here, and we can still talk about it because many of the TV productions and movies are faithful to many of the elements, but there's a lot of variety in there. Charles Dickens wrote A Christmas Carol in 1843, and if you read the book, it really goes into the details with the family members and the different experiences that Scrooge has, and a lot of the backstory that there isn't time to cover, like most books that get translated into film and TV, that it isn't really able to be conveyed, but is very rich. Now, there have been a lot of TV and film adaptations of the book, and it's helped it reach a wider audience. For those who might be listening who have never heard A Christmas Carol or read the book, can you summarize it in two or three sentences, just the key points about the book and maybe the main character?
0: This is a must- for yourself to bring out every year because it's really about a, a journey anybody's journey through their hard crusted hurt calloused heart to opening up that heart and bringing christmas into their lives his name is Ebenezer Scrooge and he's had a very painful life and he doesn't want to celebrate christmas or even hear the word Christmas. And so he's a solitary as an oyster, as it says in the book. But he's visited by four spirits. And he's given a chance to go back and see the different painful and joyful parts of his life. And then he begins to realize that he really does want to be a force for the Christmas spirit in the world. He wants to step out into the world and be a force for good. It's just the best. It's my favorite novella of all time.
1: So one of the things that I really love about this is that it reminds me of Joseph Campbell's structure of A Hero's Journey. It is a transformational story. And as you described about Ebenezer Scrooge, who's the main character, and he undergoes a transformation of having these characteristics of being stingy, antisocial, and isolated. And after the transformation, He's completely the opposite. He's generous, compassionate, and beloved by his community.
0: Yes. And it came from a looking within.
1: Yes. It really wasn't just, hey, cheer up. It's Christmas time. It wasn't some generic bromide. What was it that made the specifics of it so important in able to allow him to relate to the stories the ghosts presented that allowed him to really make this transform.
0: It was actually going back and looking at his own pain points. Where was I hurt? Being able to look back at yourself as a child and embrace that child as an adult and acknowledge the pain, cry over the pain, and then realize how did that pain actually help me and how does it hurt me now? How does it no longer serve me now? And so that is what Scrooge did. He did it as you saw himself when this being pretty much rejected by his father, being in a, a boarding school school where he was all alone. He saw it when he was broken up with his fiance, broke up with him because he had become too concerned about money. So he saw some of the mistakes he was making. Of course, you can read into that as I do and think he's become all about money because he was still trying to protect himself from that same childhood that he had that hurt him so much. But then he began to see also the, the joyful times that he'd forgotten, the fun that he had at school and the love that he did have with that fiance before he got too in love with money, became too in love with money. And then he began to see also the other people that his own generosity and lack of generosity was affecting and what that could mean in the future.
1: When you describe it like that, people know that this is the story of Ebenezer Scrooge. It was his life history. And yet all of us can relate to parts of the story in our own history or to people we know directly or indirectly today. So I think that's a fascinating way of really getting into the details of it that really comes about through your business, which is bringing this through the spirit of song. And you do it with your caroling groups. And during this pandemic, it must be very interesting To bring this message in ways that are different and creative because you've had to adapt to the pandemic lockdown. What have been some of your approaches, Renee, to bringing the same spirit and and fulfilling your mission during the constraints and conditions that have been dictated by the pandemic lockdown?
0: There are some ways that we are uh, adjusting in ways that we've never had to bring music together. And there's also a focus that I like to bring out to my carolers a little more during these tough years because I know. That they really reach people in a different way during tough years. And I'd like to start with that because music is a gift. You could you can watch the TEDx talk that I gave. Can caroling lead to world peace? And I say, yes, it can. We would be caroling in front of a huge group of people from all over the world at the New York Botanical Gardens every year, not this year, but every other year. And so there'd be people young and old and of all different ancestries and different religions and different orientations, and they'd all be gathered around us singing. And so you can see them all come me together. More stories about that if you want later on, but making music together in a group actually creates coordination, cooperation, and empathy among the group members that may be felt for decades. So there really is science behind it and there's power in this and it is an underutilized tool for peace, but also as much as uplifting music does something for us to lift our spirits and all you have to do is play some Chicago on when you're feeling sad one day. That's what I do. But one thing that I learned, and I wrote about this in the book too, because I think it's so important is that music also be a gift when it actually helps you release sadness, when it actually lets cry when you need to cry. And, and there's a story that I ne- I'll i never forget. And I did put the whole thing in the book, but we were caroling at a department store one year and there was a quartet of us and we were at the top of an escalator. And so people would ride right up the escalator and then they'd see us singing in our Victorian costumes. And I could see in the corner of my eye that there was a store employee to the right, just looking like maybe he had a request. And so when we finished that song, we turned to him and asked him if he had a request and he did, but it wasn't for a carol. He said, we had this woman in the the makeup department and she comes every day and she sits at the counter and we just love her and could you come over and sing for her we just feel like she would really like that we said sure so he took us over to the makeup department and there she was she was an elderly lady she was impeccably dressed she had her hair nice and coiffed she had a full face of makeup on and he introduced us and we said hi and we asked her if there was a carol that she'd like us to sing and maybe something cheerful like deck the hall or joy to the world because you know she looked a little sad like she was smiling, but her eyes looked sad. Her smile didn't look connected to her eyes. So we were suggesting something cheerful and she said, no, you know what? I need something I can cry to. And in that moment, I was shot back to a couple years earlier when I'd been still harboring a broken heart, but I felt really stupid about it. I didn't feel like I could tell anybody about it. I just felt like I couldn't actually wallow in that pain. So I wasn't talking about it, but I went into this place, this old New York establishment, all beautiful old woodwork, and they were playing the most mournful Billy Holiday music. And so I sat down at the bar with a glass of Chardonnay. She didn't request a song, but because I remembered that it was mournful music that helped me feel so much better, I said, I've got just the thing. And we opened up to, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. Now that was written by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, one of our greatest poets in America. And he wrote it out of a broken heart over the Civil War and two previous wives who had died that we loved very much. And if you look at the poem from which this carol springs, you see that he's really talking about the Civil War and cannons and how it's breaking the hearthstones of a continent and how there is no peace on earth, but then he hears the bells and he, he hears in his head the wrong will fail, the right prevail, and God is not dead. And and so it is a happy ending in the end, but it you go through the pain of of saying... Is there peace to be had? Is God with us? And then it it comes around, and you know what? She cried, and then she smiled, and she said, that was exactly what I needed. And she said, oh, yes, that'd be lovely.
1: Reminder, when people are able to be reminded in such a a multi sensory way through singing And through the visual of your choral group, all in Victorian outfits, being able to share and allow people to be there, but also to reflect back through song on whatever it is that people need to focus on. Aren't you also doing something through virtual ways of reaching people where you're able to use video conferencing to bring things to people who can't get out or to be singing in clubs or hotel lobbies and just keeping distance during the time.
0: Yes, that is something we're doing this year. And it's been going great. As a matter of fact, the live caroling, I would say is down to about 25%. A lot of people waited till the last minute just hoping maybe COVID would be passed and it wasn't. And so they canceled their events. But some other people are actually taking advantage of something we've been offering. We call it, I'll be Zoom for Christmas or for the Hanukkah celebrations, Zoom Gali. And so what we do is we help people get on, get a Zoom party together. We help them with the invitations. We help them with the technical aspects of it. And then they'll have their guests come in, a half an hour before the carolers usually. And then we'll come on then. Sometimes we're surprised that the hostess hasn't told them about, or sometimes they have told them about this and send our music book to them in advance so that they actually have lyrics in front of them. But not you don't really need the lyrics. And they can request carols in real time. In between the carols, they can unmute or they can request them during the in the chat box. And so last night we did one. We sang for an hour.
1: Can you talk about maybe a business that did this for its employees as a way to use the carols? Caroling to bring people together. Many times carols can be used as a way to bring people together. And it really reminds me of how important it is to realize that many things that we have fixed mindsets over can become growth mindsets once we reevaluate our position and look at updating it, similar to what you talked about with Scrooge. What's been an example of someone who's experienced that type of transformation that came up to you afterwards and said, maybe this really made a difference for me listening to this today and they're able to now maybe participate more. They're not as isolated in the way that many are during the Christmas and holidays.
0: Let me tell you about Karen. Karen came from Germany a long time ago, and she married an American, and she moved to Pennsylvania, actually. And she lost her husband, had a lot of sorrow in her life, had a terrible accident even before that, and was confined to her home, walking in a wheelchair, wasn't able to go out anywhere. And she was listening to us on a local radio station. And she reached out to me through my website and said, I just love what you were talking about. I want to get your book. If I get your book and send it to you, will you sign it for me? And so she got the book and she read it. And she said, this has changed my life. She said, I'm getting so much joy out of this. I want to share this. Which my sons have said to me, they actually said to a pastor who had met her, during her her crisis when she just wasn't herself for about five years. And the pastor said to one of her sons, I I met your mom this past week and she doesn't seem at all like she was before they said, that's because we got our mom back. This is who we know our mom to be.
1: Really can uplift and reveal people's inner energy and passion just by helping shed a few of those concept- misconceptions about who they are or whether they feel liked and loved during this time of year. Do you happen to remember an example that involves someone who was a business leader, has some interest in a business, or was able to Be more generous and kind with the people they worked with.
0: I'm not sure if we were the catalyst for this, but Charlie is a business owner who heard about us and was really moved to do something for his business people because they're all working remotely. And some of them from far away now, they only have about four of them working in the office. They're global solutions, they're actually sort of civil engineers for transportation companies. And he has something like 50 employees, and there's only about four of them in the office right now. And all the rest are working remotely. Some of them went far away. They missed them a lot, and so he heard about how we have this virtual caroling that we can do, and he decided to have a Zoom party for them. And now, in this one, we're not live caroling. He had us tape two 10-minute segments to play at different parts during their Zoom party. And he loved them so much that he decided to do the same thing for his family and a couple of clients of theirs. But so he's really trying to spread the spirit that can come from having a musical experience together during the holiday season. And he's just tickled. So it's a lot of fun for me to hear that.
1: That's terrific. And it's great that you've shown so much uh, versatility and innovation in being able to still reach people with your mission even during these times, because it's important not to give up. It's important to remember that there's a way through and that when you hear some of these stories and the feedback, and I'm sure see the smiles and the the tears of people whose hearts you're touching while singing the songs and being a presence for them, it makes such a difference. So I applaud you for all of the effort that you go into in making that possible and reaching a wide audience, even when we're in the midst of a a pandemic lockdown. Renee, are you ready for the my quest for the best lightning? I am. All right. So earlier I asked you about someone who influenced you growing up and you talked about Charmaine. When you were a teenager, Renee, what's a song that you
0: loved? (laughs) Yes, this is great. Make me a channel of your peace, which I learned in our Catholic church and I often sung around Charm.
1: Great. What's your favorite TV version of A Christmas Carol.
0: It's the George C. Scott one with Roger Reese as his nephew, Fred. I love that one. And if I haven't seen it at least once a December, it just doesn't feel right to me.
1: Something that you do to keep your heart open and generous and compassionate throughout the year.
0: I interview people for a few different reasons, but I like to hear people's experiences and uh, apply them to what I do.
1: What would you say is the best $100 purchase or so you've made in the last six months?
0: (laughs) The microphone that I'm speaking into right now, (laughs) I have been able to talk to a lot of people like yourself, and we've been using this microphone to do these Zoom performances and the recorded performances. And so we're reaching so many more people with a better sound than we would have before.
1: Renee, what would you say is the most important habit, routine, or belief that you've stopped in the last year that's brought you the most pleasure or personal satisfaction?
0: When I was sick with COVID, I faced dying. And ever since then, I have stopped caring what people think of my choices when I've made a choice that I feel is right for me. Can you give me an example? Yes, my significant other is somebody who is quite a bit older than me. And I feel like uh, I know there are people who think that might be inappropriate, but I don't care. I'm happy to be in love with my best friend.
1: That's great. Now, let's get back to something you mentioned just a a minute ago, which is let's get back to something that you mentioned just a moment ago about interviewing others. Before we started the interview, you had mentioned that you had worked as a Lyft driver for a, a period of time. And during that time, you actually had encountered a doctor who you had actually encountered a doctor who took your lift service, and he actually was a physician and shared with you some of the most important ideas and practices that he wanted everyone to know. Can you tell that story for our listeners so that they could share and benefit from it as well, please?
0: It was March 26th of 2020, and I was pinged to go pick up somebody from the emergency department at a hospital in New Jersey turned out to be a doctor, Dr. Frank Gabrin. And he was in my back seat. And uh, first of all, I thanked him for his service, being on the front lines of this pandemic. And I asked him how everything was going for him. And and he gave me so much information. And he told me about how things work with COVID, how COVID actually affects your lungs. And the things that he told me, I believe, actually saved my life just a, a few days later. But he told me also that he was the author of a book. It's called Back from Burnout. And that's how I remembered who he was. I remembered the title of his book and I remembered Dr. Frank. And uh, and I let him know that I, I had this radio segment that I was doing where I would interview people in my back seat. And uh, I would actually talk about the most uplifting passenger that I'd driven that week. And I called the segment Midweek Lift. And uh, so I asked him if I could use any of the things that he had told me on the radio. And he said, definitely, you can use it all. And so he told me his concerns. He told me how COVID actually attacks your lungs. He told me what he'd been seeing. He told me that what he really wanted people to know was that the doctors and nurses are are terrified and they really are frustrated and hurt when people don't take this pandemic seriously. When people don't wear masks, if they can, if if they're not practicing social distancing, if they're not just staying home as much as possible in a safe household, in their bubble, except for when they have to be somewhere else, that it, it affects them and their family, that They, the doctors and nurses and the hospital staff, are putting their lives on the line for each person that they have to treat that comes in with COVID. So not being careful about the way you handle COVID. We've got all of these hospitals that are getting too full, they're over capacity. And so anyway, I after I dropped him off, we were in the car for 35 minutes and I said goodbye to him. And he said, good luck on the radio. And he did this little double take look at me, which I thought was really interesting. And I'll never forget. I just spoke into my audio recorder on my phone because I didn't want to forget anything that he'd said. And then I went to a pharmacy and I picked up some items that I felt that I should have based on what he told me.
1: Items that you picked up?
0: Oh yes. Uh, there's a product called it's a mucus solvent and nasal rinse because what he told me was about the way the mucus actually is like a cement in your lungs uh, and it covers up all these millions of alveoli holes that, that and those being blocked prevent our transferring the oxygen or, or to the through our lungs. We have to transfer that gas through our lungs if all those alveoli holes are blocked up it won't transfer. And that's what people are dropping dead of so quickly sometimes. And so I knew as a singer that this was a great mucus solvent and I, I had it on hand. And I also, I wanted to get some acetaminophen because at that time there was a, a debate about ibuprofen not being good for you when you've got COVID. All the shelves were bare of that at that time, as with alcohol and things like that. But I got mucin mucinex is my favorite product to get for when I've got a cold or something it, to, to tackle the mucin, the, mu, the mucus. And so I made sure I had about three bottles of that ginger. I picked up ginger root and I was making a ginger brew. This thing was great because it really took down inflammation when I did feel I was having chest congestion and compression and uh, it really helped me. So those are some of the things that I picked up. Then I went home and I ordered his book online. And the very next day I felt symptoms. I don't think I got it from him because I think the gestation period is longer, but I I was being so reclusive except when I was driving for Lyft that it's it's pretty obvious that I did receive it from one of my, my... passengers in the past five weeks. So I self-quarantined and I was sleeping 20 out of 24 hours during that time. The symptoms, it was excruciating how painful it was. So on the first day that I felt that I could go out my door, it was two and a half weeks later. It was Easter Sunday. And I went to my mailbox for the first time in two and a half weeks. And his book was there. So I brought it in and I was all excited. And I ripped it open. And there was his face on the cover. It's just so beautiful. Just like I remembered in the back seat. Such a beautiful smile he had. And I thought, you know what? We had such a great conversation. I'm going to look him up on Facebook. I think we're going to be friends. And so I looked him up and it was like a kick in the gut. I found that he had died five days after I met him. I had driven him home from his last emergency room shift. And he was the first doctor in America to die of COVID-19. And I just couldn't believe it, but it made me all the more motivated to get his message out there to please take care of the doctors and the nurses by taking care of yourself and the people around you.
1: There's nothing like losing someone who you meet or who you love to make something that much more real and important and urgent in our lives. Mm-hmm. So thanks so much for sharing that, Renee. You also talk about, now let's go on the other side of it. You talk about celebrating a mighty Christmas and And you, first of all, tell us what a Mighty Christmas is.
0: One year, I lost my Christmas spirit. And that's a shock to most people who meet me, who know me. My carolers, they call me Mrs. Christmas and carol boss, and they think I've got the corner on the market for Christmas spirit. And maybe I do. But that year, it was gone, and it seemed inexplicable to me. And I tried so hard to get it back all through the season, and I I couldn't do it. It was the final, it was the following January. I was taking down my tree and sweeping up the pine needles and just racking my brain over what had happened. And I traced my steps back and I did figure out what had happened, but it doesn't really matter because people are in pain during the holidays for all sorts of different reasons. So it's really just important that it happened. But then I thought, I don't want to live without Christmas spirit. What can I proactively do to get it back? It was painful not to have it. So I, while I was sweeping, literally under my nose was a top hat box from one of my carolers and a carol book right on top of it. And so I just picked it up. And I thought, could the answer be in here? Obviously, I know a lot about these carols. I've been singing them for years, but there must be so much more that I don't know. So right then and there, I set a goal for myself to study a carol a week for a year, but looking at them in ways that I never had before. Who wrote them? When did they write them? Do we even know? Because some of them are ancient. And so... I thought, okay, right then and there, I decided I was going to start with whatever I just opened the book to, and it was, God rest you, Mary gentlemen. And so I thought, okay, what do I know about this? And I I was a little humbled, I have to say, because right off the bat, God rest you, Mary gentlemen. What does it mean? What does that mean? And who are the Mary gentlemen? And so I actually started looking that up the next day, and I found out that what I read about it anyway was that Mary had been a long a misunderstood word from the Middle Ages that meant actually mighty. And I thought, oh, what would it mean if we were actually wishing each other a mighty Christmas? What if we were actually trying to have a mighty Christmas instead of just a happy one? What would that mean? And the answers that came into my mind were so important and and profound that I immediately... That very day got my Christmas spirit
1: back. Just changing the language made such a difference. And I think if people think of their Christmases not just as a Merry Christmas, but having a mighty Christmas and really extending that message so you could have that sense of cheer and goodwill, not just in January, but maybe in March, maybe in July, maybe in September. Any month when you really think about it, you could just bring out that mighty sense of spirit to acknowledge your power and your ability to connect with others and to bring all the good things that you know in your life to everyone you meet that day. It really is something that can be generalized and appreciated and practiced any day of the year, isn't
0: it? It is. And, and it was really a revelation to me that even though I was trying so hard all through Advent and Christmas to get my spirit back, and I couldn't will it to happen, that I got it back at the end of January. And then I realized it's when there's so little pressure. On you to have a Merry Christmas or to have Christmas spirit. There is this inorganic pressure, I think, during December to have Christmas spirit and to be merry. And sometimes you just can't force it. And the fact is, like we were talking about earlier, some people are in pain for various reasons. And to try to feel like you're supposed to be merry just makes it worse. I like to think of it as like a tilt a whirl at an amusement park. <laughs> if you've ever been on a tilt a whirl with a hat or a flip flop, and it goes flying off, you're not getting that hat or your flip-flop back until after the ride has stopped, and you can get off and go pick it up. And I feel like sometimes the Christmas season just starts spinning out of control, like the Tilt-A-Whirl. If you didn't go into the Christmas season securely having control of your 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 Christmas spirit or having tended to it earlier in the year, I think you can be blindsided with how you're really not equipped for it, at that time of year, and it might be a hard Christmas for you. And then, when you don't have that pressure, it's easier. So that's why I like practicing this all through the year.
1: Renee, you've shared so many great tips today on my quest for the best. I just want to thank you so much for talking about Charmaine, who was that teacher who really shared and epitomized the enthusiasm of uh, through her personal stories and her smiles. Thanks for sharing the ideas about caroling can lead to world peace and how music is a gift. You talked about the story of Charlie, who worked remotely and brought people together by bringing carols and sharing them during his meetings with his staff. And you talked about the story with um, Dr. Frank. Thanks so much for talking about Dr. Frank Gabrin, who was the ER doctor who you gave a ride to, who shared his message with you, and neither of you knew that it was going to be his last shift at the ER before he died of covid And he was able to pass on that information that was so important to you and professionally relevant because mucus and singers have a special relationship with looking to avoid mucus. So, Renee, for so many reasons, for these and so many reasons more, I want to thank you so much for joining me on my quest for the best.
0: It has been my pleasure, and thank you so much for having me on.
1: Renee, before we say goodbye for now, tell me, where is it that we could find your work online so people could connect with you and find out more?
0: If you go to my name, which is spelled R-E-N-A-E-B-A-K-E-R, www.reneebaker.com, you will find me.
1: Renee, thank you so much. We're going to link to your website, as well as your book, your TED Talk, and your social media to make it so easy for people to find you and catch a little bit of that Christmas spirit to help people defeat Scrooge, that closed-mindedness attitude at any time of the year. So Renee Baker, author of Defeating Scrooge, once again, I thank you for joining me on my quest for the...
0: Thank you, and may God bless us, everyone. Hi,
1: this is Bill, and I hope you've enjoyed this podcast interview on my quest for the best. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or your favorite app, so you never miss an episode full of stories, tips, and insights for the ambitious small business leader. Now, I have a quick request for you. Please go to Apple Podcasts and iTunes and give us a rating and review. My team and I really appreciate the feedback, and we read every comment to find out what you enjoy and what you want as we develop new content, course materials, and a few surprises that we have in store for you. When you rate and review My Quest for the Best, you help other small business leaders find us, subscribe to the podcast, and join the community. You can get the Insider's e-newsletter for small business leaders by going to myquestforthebest.com. We have chosen a challenging path to make a living and make a difference in the world, and I believe it's important to share top-notch resources with each other, which is why you'll find new episodes from top thought leaders and small business experts on My Quest for the Best each week. Thanks for listening and being part of the community. See you on the next episode.